I heard a story um, from an elder at another church. Not this one, another church. There was a, uh, a woman in this congregation who had been a long-time part of the congregation. And she was uh, sitting in the, um, in the worship center, <clears throat> had been there for a little bit. This elder walked over and very politely asked her, you know, how are you doing today? Said hello, and you know, how are you doing? And the, um, the woman said, well, not too well. And uh, I've been sitting here 15 minutes, and you're the only person to come up and talk to me. And um, that's, a, that's a bit of a surprise, um, especially in this particular congregation. That would have been kind of unusual. And so the elder very wisely and frankly courageously asked, well, who did you get up and go talk to? The woman replied, no one. Now, I know I can't see you because of your masks, but I suspect some of you are smiling at that because we kind of chuckle a little bit and we kind of question this woman's um, expectations a little bit, don't we? Because I think that we all understand that relationships take a certain amount of effort. If you want to marry someone, you have to date them. In order to date them, you have to ask them out. And in order to ask them out, you actually have to talk to them. There's a certain amount of effort that you have to bring to the relationship. Would you agree? Yes. There is a certain amount of energy that we have to invest into things before uh, we see any type of, of relationship happen. So let me tell you another story. It's related, but dissimilar. In speaking with people after church on Sunday, a gentleman <coughs> informed Francis Chan that he really didn't get a whole lot out of the service that day. And very wisely and very courageously, Francis Chan replied to the man, well, that's okay, we're not here to worship you. Yes, snap, that's right. <clears throat> I'm in this series called Inner Work, and I'm talking about things that are on my heart and on my mind, and um, some of the things that I've been processing in my own journal and just trying to understand how everything fits together as uh, a leader of a local church, and last week I related to you my growing discomfort between what I'm reading in the Bible and what I'm seeing in the church in general, and very specifically on the issue of signs and wonders. <clears throat> and I feel like the church is missing out and like we're settling for something so much less than what God has in mind. In my prayer, my prayer is for us to truly be an empowered church. Because I have people that I know who need miracles. We just prayed for some of them. And I regularly hear, like a lot of you do, of circumstances that seem absolutely desperate, absolutely dire, and I don't see a way forward, and yet I know there is a way maker. And I want to see that waymaker do his waymaker thing. How about you? That's what I want to see. That's what I want to be a part of. And I think that's all 
that God has in mind for the church, and I don't want to settle for something less. And so what I'm reading and what I'm experiencing, that is no longer acceptable to me. I don't want that anymore. And here's the thing, and it's exciting to think about those things. It's exciting to to pray for that. However, God's power is always tethered to his presence. Always. There is no time that you are going to see the power of God manifest itself without the presence of God, ever. I mean, it's not even logical. Those two things are, are inextricably linked to one another. You cannot have God's power without his presence, which is why we emphasize around here this idea of chasing after the presence of God. And we, we talk about it on Sunday morning. We even think about it in small groups. And, and I hope that this is something that you're thinking about as individuals, that the presence of God can be with you because he said very clearly, I will never leave you or forsake you. That means he is present with you. Which also means that he's also present in every set of circumstances. There's no place you can go where the Spirit of God is somehow um, barred from. So wherever you go, you carry the presence of God with you. There's an important principle to remember here, and this is something I want you to think about. The presence of God always begins with worship. Presence of God always, always begins with worship. And to that end, I want to draw your attention to a couple of passages within the scriptures. And then I want to make a couple of comments about them. And then I think we're going to go ahead and do a little more worshiping because it was so good the first time around, don't you think? Yeah, I know that I need a little bit more of that. So I want to start today in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Samuel. If you have a Bible app, you want to, uh, might want to punch that in. Or open your Bible old school to 2 Samuel chapter 24. Because we're going to start our discussion of worship in an odd place. We are going to start our discussion of worship with a mistake. Have you made one of those? Recently? Be honest now, you in church, right? King David made a mistake a grave error. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. He counted his fighting men. Now, God was very clear about this. You're not supposed to count your fighting men because you are not going to rely on your numbers and your strength militarily for the victory. You're going to count on God. So don't count them. Don't take a census of them. And yet David did it anyway. And there's a variety of reasons for this. There's some political reasons. There's some probably logical, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Just the organization of things and the logistics of getting troops. And and you've got to feed an army. You've got to go through all those things. And so it's real helpful to know how many people you've got to feed, how many miles to feed. But again, the victory doesn't rely on the military might. It relies on the strength of, of God always supposed to be the source of their strength. So he makes a mistake, and God sends a plague over Israel. And so let's pick up the story, 2 Samuel chapter 24, beginning with verse 18. Here it is. On that day, Gad, who was a prophet, 
went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar of the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Arunah looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Arunah said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered. Arunah said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. May the Lord your God accept you. Which is a great blessing, by the way. Sometime when you want to bless someone, just say, may the Lord your God accept you. See what happens. But the king replied to Aaron, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. That's good, isn't it? I will not sacrifice something that costs me nothing. By the way, we need to have a little bit of context here. So when you were um, growing grain, eventually you would have to harvest the grain and then you would have to thresh it and you would engage in something called winnowing. And so you would have these large flat spaces up on hillsides where they would bring the grain and they would thresh it with sticks which would separate the grain from the actual stalk or the chaff. You've probably heard that word. And you would winnow it by taking it and throwing it up in the air. And if you were up on a hillside, the wind would come and take the lighter shaft and all of the grain would fall to the ground. Does this make sense? So you had these wide, flat places called threshing floors. And they were up on hills. But because they were up on hills and they were wide and they were flat, they also made great meeting spots and very often would have religious significance. And wouldn't you know, it is that very spot, the thresh, threshing floor of Aruna, where the temple of God was built. You want to talk about worship. This is the root of all of that, and central to the worship of ancient Israel was the idea of sacrifice. You, you didn't worship without some type of sacrifice that you would, you would bring. And so for King David to be made right, he had to go up to this threshing floor and offer a sacrifice and essentially to worship. That's what's being said here. That's what's being communicated. Yes, you're going to go sacrifice, but understand that sacrifice and worship go hand to hand in ancient Israel. Yes, repent, but all of it is part of worshiping God. All of it. And the New Testament writer Paul seems to pick up the same idea in Romans 12. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper, ah, there's the word, worship. You see? There is something of sacrifice that happens in worship, always. 
whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, it just doesn't happen to be, you know, with a lot of blood and cows and, and doves and sheep and goats. And it's not that, but there's still this element of sacrifice that's involved in, in worship. We don't sacrifice animals, but it indicates that there's a cost of some sort, and in this case, it's ourselves, some way. Now, what might this have to do with us today, then? Hmm? <clears throat> Paul helps us again. Here's 1 Corinthians 14, towards 20, uh, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. In other words, every person has something that they're bringing to the worship with them. Now, obviously, this is a very different time frame, different context. There's no professional clergy, as it were. But there is this idea that each person has something to offer the group, whether it's a large group like this or whether it's a small group that meets in a home or whether it's just kind of one-on-one across a table at the local coffee shop. I don't know how many times that I've met with people, um, sometimes for counseling, sometimes for just a conversation, and I end up as m- learning as much as I do, as I do you know, counseling someone. And that's the way it's supposed to be because we're a body and we all have different jobs and we all have different things that, that we bring to the table. But I want to ask you a question. Did you notice something about those three verses? None of those passage, passages started with us receiving anything. Now, of course, God gives. Don't get me wrong, God gives. But that's not the starting point. You know, David needed to be made right, obviously, but he wasn't expecting to receive anything from the Lord. He was simply obeying what the prophet had told him, go and do this, right? And present your, yourself as a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12 isn't about you receiving anything, but rather, this is your worship. Nothing about receiving. And over the years, I've observed something. It's... it's I thought it was a little thing, but it's not. It's a big thing. And it's a thing that I've been wrestling with just, just in what I've been seeing. People make time for the things that they value. I know this because I've had to um, adjust certain church schedules for certain football games. And that happens. And I understand. We all make time for the things that we value. I pastored in Madison, Wisconsin, and let me tell you, um, there is nothing like being in Madison, Wisconsin uh, when the Packers are doing really well. Uh, Very often I would have to um, make sure that I knew what time the Packers were playing so that we would be done with church in order for everybody to get home and get their brats on the grill because that's what you do in Wisconsin. You have brats on the grill. It's not a tailgate party without it but we make time for those things that we value. And I've seen this in my own life, I've seen it in the life of the others, and I've seen it in the life of the church. 
every church that I pastored and, and that friends have pastored. Think about yourselves in your own life. What are the things that you make time for? Well, obviously, it's the stuff that you value, right? Those are the kinds of things. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to the presence of God, because remember, presence of God begins with worship, right? It's crucial that we understand something. So if you're watching online, this is a great time to shush your kids and turn the volume up. And for those of you who are here, you might want to write this down because I think this is really important. When it comes to worship, it's not about the value you receive, it's about the value you bring. Worship isn't about what you receive, but what you bring. In other words, it ain't about what you get, it's about what you bring to the table with you. And I've been puzzling over this for a long time. This, is, this has been on my mind quite a bit. In fact, I, I honestly believe that if we're not getting value out of something, it's because we're not putting any type of value into it. I really believe that. I think that's an important feature to how all of this, this works. If you want to pursue his presence, but if you're not feeling it, my first question to you is, what are you bringing? What type of energy are you bringing? What type of hope are you bringing? What type of expectation are you bringing? If you're coming to church or if you're coming to small group or if you're, you're doing a Bible study or something and you're just not feeling it, because we just sang the words, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. Do you believe that or are you just singing words? Oh, it got quiet in here. I think it's an, an important thing for us to remember. What are, you, what are you actually bringing here? And it's not that we don't receive anything because we do. I mean, sometimes you get the feels and it's, and it's awesome and, you know, sometimes God will speak to you. And, and, uh, but when you bring some value in this with you, when you actually come to this with a certain amount of energy going, I am coming today to meet with the Lord of hosts, and he has something that he wants to say to me, and he wants to be with his people, and he wants to worship. We don't worship God for the sake of God. We worship God for the sake of us. God knows that he's on the throne, but sometimes we forget. And so we come on Sunday mornings, and we go, we're meeting with God here today. This is what it's all about. This is good, and he is good, and we get to be a part of this thing, and Man, you start coming with that kind of attitude, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Small group, what are you bringing besides food? Food is good. My small group, we eat, ate, and what we ate like royalty. It's hard to do that on Zoom, but we do it. <clears throat> Sunday church. I want to talk to the kids today. Kids, if you're here, look at me just for a second. This applies to you as much as it does everyone else. Look, kids' church is on hold for right now. I'm going to be honest. I am not nearly as much fun as the so-and-so show, right? It's true. I know it. But here's what I want you to think about every time you walk into these doors when you're with us. Is 
You're here with your family. And you're here with your church family. And we love you. Deeply. And God loves you. So whether you're having fun with Mishena or whether you're here with us, if you're not feeling it, I get it, I understand. But if you walk in the door and you say, I am here to meet with God, with people who love me, watch what happens. Watch what changes inside of you. Watch how you feel. Because it's true. These people that you see, you can look around. They all love you. Oh, no, they don't know me. It doesn't matter. You're here. We love you. In church, they realize that God loves them because you love them. And we bring that with us on Sunday as well. And it's not just the kids. It's the other adults. It's it's the people around us who you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. And you don't know what they're feeling in the midst of all of the isolation and all of the craziness and all of the stuff we just prayed about. And sometimes they just need someone else to acknowledge the fact that they exist and that they're here and that they're loved. And people realize that God loves them because we love them. That's what we bring to the church. That's what we bring to this thing. That's the energy that's part of all of this. And so what value do we actually bring with us? I worked on this for a long time. In fact, I can show you the journal entries. What type of value do we bring to God? Because if he's our audience, if we have an audience of one, which we claim oftentimes, if we have an audience of one, what do we actually bring? Whether we're here in church or whether we're sitting at home watching church, what is it that we actually bring? What type of value do we have? Well, let me offer you a couple of thoughts. This is not exhaustive. These are just a couple of things that have crossed my mind. The first thing, and always the first thing, that you bring is worship. And what you're saying in your worship is, God, you are someone who I value. You're the source of it all. It is putting your place and his place in proper place. You are the source, and I am acknowledging that. That's worship. That's ascribing worth, that is ascribing value to God. And you bring that every Sunday, and when you show up here or when you sit down and turn on the computer, these are the things that go through your mind. I am worshiping God, he is my source, and I am going to thank him. And there is always a reason to worship God, always. Are you breathing? Then you have a reason. So worship. The other thing that you can bring is your wonder. God, what are you up to? Let me tell you something about God, and it's one of the things I love about him. God is always up to something. Always. Always up to something. There are things that he is working in your life and the lives of others that are behind the scenes that we won't know and might not know for another decade or more. It doesn't matter because God is at work. He is always up to something. And so when we come to church on Sunday, one of the first questions that we ought to ask is, God, what are you doing? What are you doing today? I have an uncle. Um, he re- recently passed away. 
But um, years ago, we were staying with him, and I'll never forget, I was sitting at the breakfast table, I was eating Cocoa Puffs. I don't know why I remember that, but he had Cocoa Puffs. And my uncle got up, and and he uh, walked over and got his cup of coffee, and the very first thing he did before he said hello to everyone else is he walked over to his large um, sliding glass door that overlooked this absolutely beautiful scene in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, and he says, what you got cooking today, Lord? And he took a sip of his coffee, and he turned around and realized that the rest of us were there, and he says, oh, good morning. That's wonder. Isn't that beautiful? What you got cooking today, Lord? That's the thing that we bring on Sunday or any time we're worshiping is our wonder, the value that we bring God. The other thing we bring is our wiring. God has made you in a particular way and one of the things that we do is we sit back and we go, God, here's how you made me. I, I recognize that you put all these things into your personality and it's your giftedness and your talents and your experiences and your history and all those things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of those things are there and it's part of who you are and that's one of the things that we say, oh God, here it is, this is who I am. What would you like to do with it? That's value. If you look in the scripture, God doesn't often choose the best of the best. Sometimes, but not always. He can work with anything. But the final thing that you bring, and this is, I think is the most crucial, is your willingness. So your worship, your wonder, your wiring, and of course your willingness. And yes, they all start with W. That's how God helps me remember stuff your willingness. And really what you're simply saying is here it all is. You're the source. I want to know what you're doing. Here's who I am. And in your willingness, you're simply looking at God saying, hey, can I play? Can I, can I be part of what you're up to? That's value to God. God's looking for Willingness, because God's trying to bring heaven to earth and he works through human beings. I don't understand why he does it. He just does it. He chooses to partner with us for some strange reason, as unreliable, as ridiculous, and as silly as we often are. God says, no, 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 they're the ones. God says, my circus, my monkeys, I love them. We're going we're gonna to do this. But it comes with your willingness just to say, hey, God, can I play? Can I be part of that? I know who you are. I know you're up to something. I'm learning who I am, and warts and all, sometimes it's not pretty, but God, here it is. Here it is. Can I play? Things that are on my mind, things that are on my, my journal, I'm working through this stuff too. Because you know what? There are days that I get discouraged. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. And those are the moments where I have to go back and bring some value to the table with me. Kind of reminds me of the parable of the talents. He gave five to one, gave two to another, and one to a third, and he expects some type of return on it. And I want to be able to give God, some type of return for what he's first given me. And that starts when I worship. That starts with the presence of God. I am in his presence 
so that I can bring his presence to someone else. And so it is with you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being here among us this morning. Thank you that we have received um, your presence, your love. God, I suspect that there will be some who will experience your healing. Thank you in advance for that. I suspect that eyes are being opened and hearts are being awakened even now. Thank you for that too. We worship you. You are sitting on the throne. and I am so glad because, Lord, I have seen this world. And we need you. You are the head of Thrive Church. I am simply your associate. I am looking for you to speak to us. The kinds of things that you want us to do. And Lord, you are the head of the body. And the body is here. And the body needs and expects you to speak to them. And so Lord, I pray that as we worship again, praising, singing, that in our hearts we would also be saying, God, I'm willing, can I play? You know me, but I know you're up to something, and I know it's good. So Lord, meet us. Meet us. Meet us. So I finish today in a very simple place. Lord, come Holy Spirit. Let you all stand.